Hi, everyone. This is Achuta Baba from Nightlight Astrology. And today I am joined by my friend and colleague, Laura Campagna, who is a former student alumni from one of my programs and also a professional astrologer. And I would just call her an overall awesome diviner. Um, so we're going to talk today about uh, her journey with astrology and her work and advice that she has for people who are out there studying, thinking of maybe doing this professionally. So Laura, thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. So nice to be here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think you, I'm trying to remember which year it was that you came through the program. Do you recall off the top of your head? Um, I believe it was 2018. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Gosh, it's been so. a while been a minute. Already. I know. Yeah. I remember seeing you at UAC in 2018 and I had already decided I was going to study with you. Um, but I was like, yeah, there's my new teacher. And oh. then I started your program. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, and, and you've done a lot since the program. My program is one of numerous places that you've drawn wisdom from astro astrological guidance and developing your career. Um, I'd love to just start the same place that I start with every guest, which is just tell us a little bit about your journey with astrology, how you got into it, maybe how it developed from the earliest point you can remember up till now. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and it's really, it's really fun to get to have this conversation with you um, because I was such a big fan of your work, which is what led me to want to study with you and then to be part of uh your video series is really special. Um, so I grew up outside of Boston and, um, my mom is a very cool Gemini. She's, you know, kind of a child of the seventies. And I grew up with books on, um, yoga and, um, some astrology and she practiced Tai Chi. And, you know, there was like a whole time life series on aliens in our house. So, um, <laughs> I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of exposed to, these things from an early age, just from her interest. But it's funny because um, I'm a Capricorn. I have a Scorpio Capricorn sun. I have a Scorpio moon and I couldn't figure out my ascendant when I was little looking at the books just from the um, calculation, but I didn't like what it said about my signs. And so I think from an early age, I was like, what astrology is telling me that I'm, you know, these ways that I, I didn't appreciate <laughs> being described. <laughs> and um, so I actually, I got into tarot when I was a teenager and, you know, I just took the train into Boston and like bought my first stack at a really cool coffee shop that still exists, Trident Cafe um, on Newbury street. But um, I actually didn't fully get into astrology until I was a little older because I think that, you have to have some level of self-acceptance and self-awareness that as a Capricorn child, I was like, this is telling me I'm stubborn and bossy, <laughs> which literally anyone, you know, my brothers would say, yes, absolutely. My parents, but um, yeah, at the time I didn't have that self-awareness or acceptance. Um, but, you know, I, I was a queer youth in the 90s. So astrology was kind of part of the language of the culture that I was a part of. And um, I ended up moving to, um, 
I was always really interested in, in witchcraft and, um, that was something that kind of took a hold of me from a very young age. I think maybe growing up in proximity to Salem. And so the moon was something that I was always very drawn to and inspired by, and, you know, we can see the visible phases and, when I started learning about witchcraft um, as a teenager, I was like, oh, this, you know, they always are referencing the cycles and full do this and waning do that and new do this. And I had a sense like astrology is complicated. <laughs> this is like, this is an area that I would have to, to learn about. Um, and when I ended up um, moving to San Francisco, I kind of found myself in this world uh, in my mid early twenties that was just rich with astrology. So I, um, you know, Jessica Lignadu was the like astrologer that all my friends went to. So that was who gave me my first reading. And um, my friend's mom was, uh, is Penny Farrow, who is a really amazing Vedic astrologer. So I got exposed to these really great, astrologers. And, um, I had, you know, someone say, you can do this, you know, this is in your chart. You can do this. And I was like, no, no, nobody needs me. We have you, you guys are great. <laughs> you know? And I think, I think that kind of Capricorn sense of, um, if I'm not already really good at something, then I don't want to, I don't want to try. Right. Um, <laughs> but it was always, it was always with me. Um, as something that uh, was resonant and guiding. And um, I actually went through what I've, what I've heard is pretty common for a lot of people. I went through um, a really difficult period and a, a kind of like period of isolation that initiated me into astrology. And I got to think about that a lot because you and I were talking about having this interview and I was like, what, what did kind of get me started? You know, what was the origin? So um, I went through a very like sad and unexpected uh, breakup of my marriage in 2015 and ended up moving home to Boston. Um, I'd been living in the Southwest for a few years and um, it was during uh, the winter where we had six blizzards a week for six weeks. Oof. And I like drove into my mom's house and was like immediately <laughs> trapped there. And I had this like broken heart and all that had ever really sustained me in my life through breakups was tarot and astrology. And the only thing I knew that made me feel better was meditation. So I basically spent this like really sad winter just meditating and um, getting super into astrology and tarot and as fate again, and as fate would have it, um, a good friend of mine from high school who we share, we are born two weeks apart. So we share a lot of similarities in our charts was also going through a terrible breakup. And I was able to tell her, oh, you know, this is happening to you and me at the same time, because, you know, your charts like this and my charts like that. And this is when this is going to happen. This is why last, you know, it was actually the Venus retrograde, um, the last Venus retrograde in Capricorn that I was talking to her about. Um, 
And so she was really well connected in the theater community in Boston. And she just started sending um, people to see me and to get reading. So it was kind of this very organic evolution that came out of something that was really hard and painful. Um, but that that was that's a bit of my origin story. And it was kind of fun to reflect on that during this most recent Venus retrograde in Capricorn. Yeah, wow, that's a great story. I, I One thing that I really picked up on while you were talking that I want to ask you a follow-up question about, you mentioned that it was the social group that you were a part of um, growing up. And I can't remember what age you said this was, maybe junior high or something, that it, astrology was a part of the fabric of that community. I'm wondering two questions. One, um, and I think you said it was a, a, a queer community at school. Is that right? Yeah, that was more college. It was like the mid to late 90s and the queer community in college. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's my follow-up question. Mm -hmm. I, the, first, a, a personal reflection. When I was in high school, mm -hmm. uh, I was picked on like mercilessly to the mm -hmm. point where I left school and went mm -hmm. to attend a community college, which my school allowed you to do. You could go That's take, cool. your, get your double up with your credits, you know, and have yeah. some apply toward your college degree. <laughs> And I just, I did that because I was having such a hard time at school. Yeah. And it was that social, that feeling of being other somehow, mm -hmm. not that my experience is identical to yours or anything like that, but mm -hmm. um, I, that experience, which was so painful also turned me on to so many things that would become like a focus of my life. For example, philosophy, mm -hmm. um, yeah you know, questions about even just like asking, reading things about UFOs and aliens, like stuff. I just started getting into things that were so off the beaten trail because <laughs> I also, I felt so alienated from normalcy at school. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder how common that is in people who get really interested in astrology or any other like tarot or divination Mm -hmm. at an early age. I'm wondering if you could reflect on why you think astrology or witchcraft or whatever it was, was such an integral part of those communities that you were a part of. Yeah. Thank you. That's a fabulous question. And I do think that there is, um, I'd say somewhat similar to you, you know, I felt very, um, I was bullied in, in elementary school and I always had a sense of being different and other and, queer and these things that I think before you have the language for it, you have the feeling and you perhaps have the fear. And I was raised Catholic. So I definitely had the fear around that. Um, and, uh, there's a desire for power, right? There's a desire for agency to, you know, to be able to feel empowered in the world when you don't have control over your external circumstances. And um, I think one of the things that, so that's, I think, probably a huge motivation for why I was interested in, in witchcraft at a really young age. And then I started reading tarot in high school and I would, I would like, you know, be like, let's go to this place where we can see Boston and I'll give you a reading. And it's funny because some, my friends would be like, you're just kind of making this up. <laughs> and, and now people are, it's like, it's so cool how you can just make up a story from the cards. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> 
that's, that's something that you, they used to think I was um, just, you know, I did not know as much of that as I do now, but I think there's a really strong tradition and many, many um, people's experiences and cultures where folks who um, face oppression are using, you know, I think what's traditionally been considered supernatural or um, even though it's very natural to be using all the energies of the of the universe and the earth. Um, but to access a sense of there's something more, right? Because the pain of being oppressed or othered or, um, you know, just not having yourself reflected in the world, that's a really deep pain. And it causes us to seek and it causes us to think about what's more than I'm being shown and what's transcendent to this experience. And um, I think that, you know, there is a long tradition of um, magic in queer communities and um, communities of color and, um, you know, a lot of the feminist texts that I studied um, in undergrad talked about the fact that, you know, patriarchy and really the rise of Christianity, it um, brought this split between uh, the mundane world and the divine. Whereas before, you know, everything had been infused with divinity and meaning and sacredness. And now it's like, that's just relegated to a certain space or a certain people or, and it's not the earth and it's not the trees and it's not the water and it's not the animals. And to me, this whole movement around um, the revival of magic and, and spirituality and, and paganism and astrology and divination that's happening, um, particularly in the West, which is the culture I'm a part of, feels to me like this movement towards wholeness and rediscovering this truth that um, was kind of taken from us, but that innately we've always known um, was there, which is that life is full of magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I like to, as you know, someone who grew up in the church and um, studied a lot of church history and college and stuff like that. I, I always like to say, you know, that the um, earliest, Christianity was such a um, a grassroots movement, mm. and then it hits when it becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. That's really when things, in my opinion, I mean a little bit before that too. But you know, the more popular that things become, strangely, the easier it is for that thing to start othering people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's one of the reasons why. I personally wonder if astrology, I think a lot of the times you see enthusiasm from people such as ourselves and other, you know, colleagues that we have, and we want to see astrology respected, appreciated, mm -hmm. uh, valued. Sometimes I wonder if we really do, if we want astrology to be popular or not, it's not quite the same mm -hmm. thing. What are your thoughts about that? I think that's a really great question because I feel like I, I'd never intended to do astrology full-time. I have a background in social justice organizing. I got my MFA in creative writing. So I always considered myself a writer and an activist. And this was just something I did on the side, you know? Um, and um, I really got the call to like 
my business grew organically just, you know, like I'm, I'm Capricorn. I like having a job and many jobs. And so I just <laughs> built myself a website and I got myself business cards and I, you know, um, did all the things. And then it really came a point in which it was clear I would have to give up my, my job, which was kind of prestigious at a, university in in Boston that had a lot of security and a lot of, um, you know, uh, a sense of like, this is, this is a good path that you're on to go work for myself and (laughs) take this like big leap. And, um, I think the only, and, and I did it and that was really, um, such a huge risk and so ultimately joyful, but really, really scary at the time. But the only reason that happened, I think, and is continues to be a sustainable business is because astrology has become more popular. Um, And at the same time, you know, I started writing an astrology newsletter and um, because I had so many thoughts that I wanted to share and I felt like I was just kind of annoying my friends, you know, that like at the time I was like the most into it um, or I was like the most obsessed with it. And that was kind of all I wanted to talk about. And then I was like, this newsletter isn't enough. I need to also like be talking about it on Instagram, you know? Um, so that's kind of how my business grew was just like this really organic outpouring from um, what I wanted to be sharing and what I was thinking about. But now like, and that was in, uh, I think 2017, I started doing the newsletter. Now I'll have people who are like, Hey, this mercury retrograde shadow is like even worse than the, and I'm like, yeah, you know? So it's so cool how the parlance is, um, people's astrological knowledge has increased so much over the last five years. It's incredibly obvious to me. And I find it really delightful and, um, really cool in some ways, but also I think, as you mentioned, um, astrology is, you know, it's, it's a language, it's a framework and it's a set of tools and it isn't inherently good or bad, but we can see that, um, it's been used in all ways, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would say as a member of the queer community that like Ronald Reagan's astrologer, that was like having him send things out at strategic times to that was like, you know, dealing with the AIDS crisis and like minimizing how like the damage he was doing to the community, like that's evil. That's like a terrible use of astrology, but that's part of our history. So, um, you know, I think that in, we have to, as individuals, um, be making conscious choices about the way that we practice and um, what our own personal ethics and guidelines are. And I think you do a great job of imbuing your classes with a lot of that, which is, I think, part of what drew me to study with you. That's a great response. I, um, I, yeah, there's a way in which it is, it has been exciting to see more people being able to talk about astrology, like way more than when I first started for sure. Um, and I think you're, I, I certainly would never advocate for some kind of elitist gatekeeping or, you know, something like that. I, I feel like um, 
keep astrology weird is a t-shirt I want to make. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> like keep keep astrology weird because there's um there's some way in which we if we get to and I think ancient astrologers really knew this. Different mystics of different traditions know this. The shaman lives outside of the village mm. for a reason. You know, there's mm. something about if we get too obsessed with the powers of this world by that i mean the competition for goods and uh reputation and power and greed and all this kind of stuff if we it's easy to get sucked into it and astrology to me has always been the language that helps me to remember that like that all that whole thing is a big charade be careful of that game you know what i mean yeah and it does so by exposing the mechanics of those motivations as these grinding gears you know you'll just get ground up by them if you if you try to play the power game in the world and be famous and successful Mm -hmm. and all this and so there's something about you know normalcy in some ways it's not quite the same as people competing for you know it's like uh there's there's like level one uh crazy which is all about you know the the elites competing for power and dominance. Then there's level two, which is the normalcy that supports it, you know? (laughs) And and, and then I I feel like a lot, for a lot of people, astrology is not threatening the level one people. In Mm. fact, it might be used by the level one people, you know, but, but actually um, it's the normalcy. It's the people that uh, are unconsciously maybe supporting aspects of this world that are, submarining them and they don't even realize it Mm. that are the most threatened like my you know like for example my uncle who's Mm. someone who and he passed away this past year but he is someone who if i were like i'm gonna you know he knows i'm an astrologer every time i see him he's a guitar playing child of the 60s yeah drinking his beer likes to go fishing nicest guy in the world he was social worker for a long time very compassionate human being but like astrology to him you could, I could just feel how much it threatened the normalcy of like just his paradigm, just his daily life. And I couldn't tell you why, because I would think of my uncle as one of the most open-minded carefree hippie types of people that I know, but still it was like something about it. Just like, I don't know about that. Anyway, my point is that I think that astrology has to continue to disrupt the unhealthy aspects of normalcy, not that astrology should put us into some lifestyle where we're ungrounded or that we can't establish, you know what I mean? But but, but that it, it, it should threaten normalcy somehow. And that anytime I just, I wonder, you know, I remember someone said this at one point, like the worst thing about the sixties was the fact that it all got in the seventies, it all got transformed into blacklight posters, Che Guevara t-shirts, whatever. I mean, like, it all becomes um, a fair game for the marketplace. You know, mm-hmm. it's like anything that's really radical stands the chance if we try to normalize it and popularize it of feeding into the normalcy that really isn't helping us evolve spiritually. Mm-hmm. But it's like, keep astrology weird. That's my t-shirt. Yeah, I love that. I love that t-shirt. And I have I have Uranus on the Ascendant, which is probably why someone was like, you could be an astrologer. Um, but, you know, so I think this idea of 
being an outsider, of not being interested in maintaining the status quo, and of really questioning even the value of of things. Um, that's something that I I feel like you can take that that wound, you know, that feeling of like I'm I'm different. There's something that isn't I don't fit, and I feel like a sense of um, perhaps alienation, and transform that into connection because then that sacred role in the community. You know, whenever I think about what I, what I hope to offer with my astrological practice is to be a loving and compassionate witness for people on their journey through life. And, um, I feel like we can make really accurate predictions as astrologers that will validate people that will blow their minds, that will really help them make excellent choices, but also, um, we don't always get everything right. There is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of different, um, energies at flux. And I think that the most important thing that astrology can offer is a framework to understand our experiences. Mm -hmm. And when I think about what astrology has given me, it's the ability to be objective about the seasons of my life. And to understand that there's bigger forces at work and, and to de-identify, you know, that little, that sense of the eye that wants to take everything so personally, that wants to be like, this is happening to me, like my pain, like I'm suffering, you know? Um, and like a few years ago, um, my, my mother got sick. She was in the hospital. My grandmother had a heart attack and my cat was killed. And it was horrific. And um, I was actually like about to go to India to go like do a meditation and astrology study. And I was, I was destroyed. I was emotionally like blown apart, but Saturn was conjunct my natal Venus, you know? And I was like, okay, like this is so terrible. And I have a, I have a framework of understanding in which I, I see that like, this has happened. I see the forces that were at play when this happened and it doesn't unbreak my heart, you know? Um, cause my cat was like my familiar who would like came to all the astrology, like we just magically show up at the door when the person arrived for their astrology reading, um, would like come if I was doing an energy healing and like lay on the person, you know, it was like my co-witch, like a really magical being. And I just thought, why would the universe take this incredible creature that I loved? So we had such a special bond, um, from me, but you know, astrology gave me a framework to understand what was happening. And, um, I had some really special experiences that then helped me heal my heart. And I think that people are really struggling right now. I think that what is considered normal is, um, a system that is really unjust and un- environmentally it's socially unjust and I think morally reprehensible in a lot of ways, but it's also environmentally unsustainable. And I think one of the things that led me to get into astrology in this moment was that I heard people like Channing Nichols 
who started talking about social justice, started talking about astrology and social justice and the way in which, and Richard Tarnas, you know, does this so well with Cosmos and Psyche. And I was just listening to the amazing um, Pluto interview that Chris Brennan did with him on the astrology podcast. You know, astrology can give us these, uh, the sense of the moment that we're in, the zeitgeist, the challenges, the opportunities, both on the macro and the micro, like our own individual lives and the collective. And I think that capitalism will always try to co-opt the movement because that's one of the ways it can control it. But there is a re-enchanting of the cosmos, I would argue, that's happening by people connecting with forces that are beyond just like, you know, ho-hum mundane and that has its own power that I don't think is going to be um easily bridled oh that's good that's nice I love that response that's a really thoughtful Mm. yeah thoughtful way of of articulating that I I feel like um there's something that um strikes it always strikes me as an interesting balance to keep which is that there's um you know, when we talk about uh, the collective, I often wonder, I mean, this is just me thinking out loud. I don't necessarily have any answers or a formed position about this, but I often wonder if there's just one collective Mm. because um, there's something there's, it sometimes feels to me like there's an underlying um, almost like the messianic apocalyptic Christian narrative in the collective uh-huh. Um, that there's this underlying drive that we're all headed somewhere together. And mm-hmm. um, when I look at nature, I don't see that. I don't see that mm-hmm. reflected in nature. And so it makes me wonder which collective we're talking about when we say the mm-hmm. collective and if there's multiple collectives and if so, do they work together? Are they cooperating even though they're like have different uh, telos behind them, different trajectories yeah. I, I don't have any answers to that. It's just something that I, I keep coming back to all the time. And actually something that when I was at a Richard Tarnas conference um, in uh, at Pacifica, I went and saw him speak one time oh, and cool. it was so great. awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Cool. It was just one of my most memorable experiences. And I just, after that, I just wished so bad that I would have had the courage to go up to the mic and ask that question. Like, do you think that there's only one collective or there are multiple collectives? Because I'd really love to hear what he had to say about that too. Yeah. And actually, I'm I'm positive that if I reached out to Becca, who's a friend, um, and asked her, you know, what do you think about this? What did your dad think about this? Mm-hmm. I'm sure she'd have a really thoughtful answer as well. But anyway, that's, I don't really have a formed question. Yeah. That. It's just a thought. No, it's a great, I mean, I think it's a great thought to consider because I think the pandemic has really drawn um, awareness into uh, the fact that we don't, we don't share a reality, right? We're not all sharing the same reality. We're operating in different ways and under different assumptions and with different beliefs and circum- it's dictating our circumstances. So I think that's always true, but the d- pandemic made it public and visible and obvious, right? Like even today I can walk down the street um, where I'm living right now in Massachusetts and there will be people wearing full on N95s in outside on the street and who clearly don't 
feel comfortable not having a mask on outside on the street. And then there will be, we'll, we'll be walking by or, you know, I'll be passing them and there will be a restaurant to my left and there will be people inside eating. And so that is clearly like people are operating in really, really different ways. And I think the pandemic has exacerbated this um, truth that like, we're not all sharing the same reality. And I think from a spiritual perspective, you know, I, to me, there is, and a lot of the spiritual traditions that I ascribe to, there is a great awakening that's happening on the planet. More people are waking up to the fact that we all come from oneness, right? Like there is a source and we are all individuals, but that sense of being separate and, um, you know, unique, that is the, ex that is the temporary experience of this lifetime. And really, you know, when we awaken to the truth of our essential nature, that we are coming from oneness and we are connected to that source always, there is no true separation and seeing that truth and living from that truth, that's incredibly difficult, but more and more people are awakening to that truth and are, are saying, yes, like I inhabit this, you know, specific identity, but I'm part of this larger collective and I want everyone to be well. It's a very Aquarian impulse, right? And the Saturn Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius, I think I was like, how are we all going to be more separated? Yet we're all going to be more connected. How are we going to be more isolated? Yet we're all going to be sharing the same ideas. How are we going to, you know, right. like beliefs are going to be more important. And then the pandemic's like, this is how I'll show you how you're all going to be sitting in your houses, reading the same memes, you know, like not able to touch and um, constantly communicating via technology. That's how, yeah. um, which is cool. Like, thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for answering that question. And, you know, we can say the astrology was describing what was to come, but I, I would just say that, um, in some ways, there are people that are on the journey towards that realization of um, like awakening to the truth. And there are other people that are clearly moving more deeper into separation, deeper towards like violence and strife. And um, I think that as the kind of, I think the majority, honestly, I, I do think the majority is towards love and connection, but I think it creates more disruption. Um, so that, so that other, um, sector feels, um, scary or, um, yeah, more, maybe even bigger than it is. I, I don't know, but I do think that it's interesting when you're saying what collective are we talking about? Cause in some ways I'm like, yeah, we are all one, but we're having really different experiences. Right. Yeah. Um, and like in, in um, the bhakti tradition that I'm a part of, the mm -hmm. um, the philosophy that we um, refer to quite a bit is called a chinta beta beta tattva, and the basic meaning I'm sure you've heard me probably mention it before being in my classes and stuff. It means um, simultaneous oneness and difference, mm -hmm. and that there's something inconceivable about it for our minds that things mm -hmm. are both different and the same. Yeah. simultaneously that there's variegation while also oneness that there's distinct souls while they're also being all part of the same source 
Um, but I think it's actually really common. Like if I think about the fact that my body has parts, but it's all part of the same thing, or, you know, mm-hmm. if we look at nature, it, it, it does show us, okay, there's an ecosystem with many trees and there's a lake and there's animals, but it's all part of a s- ecosystem and mm-hmm. so forth. And um, I, I sometimes struggle again, I don't have answers, just, uh, you know, stuff that is regular source of, you know, meditation for me. And I wonder how easy it is to um, bring about what you mentioned as an awakening. And I, and I think about that in terms of like um, in bhakti, of course, that sense of awakening connection to source is central to our, our belief system. So I think it's common, you know, it's a perennial philosophy of many different traditions, but I think about that and I go, is it possible? Is it humanly possible for that to happen through politics, you know, political parties Mm -hmm. and so forth? And is it, or is that something that happens despite them or in some other realm or through some other avenue? Uh, Do, is there a way, will we ever see political leaders that uh, prioritize this kind of agenda and say, Mm -hmm. anything we do policy-wise comes from the background of this seeking of divine love in everything. It just, it feels to me sometimes like I'm staring up at Mount Everest, uh, the Mount Everest of a problem when it comes to figuring out, you know, and on my mind certainly can't, you know, but I mean, just Mm -hmm. thinking about how, how feasible it is for such an awakening to move its way through all of the variegations politically, culturally, Mm -hmm. historically that we're dealing with. And I think it's really easy for people to see that mountain of a problem, we, we all probably have some of the same answers about love, about source, about, and so forth. But then how does one do that when you feel like a little ant in front of Mount Everest? And yeah, I think that the easy thing is to, uh, there's two things that I think become really easy. One is to quit to just say, well, mm-hmm. there's nothing I can do, you know? Mm-hmm. And the other extreme would be to think that I have to do it all. You know, it's like those two extremes, I'll either do nothing or I have to save the world somehow in my ego, you know, and however that expresses itself. But anyway, this is so nice to be talking to you about these things. I want to shift gears a little bit and um, ask you some practical questions as we get closer to wrapping up. Let's start with this. A lot of people who listen to this, I've gotten emails from DMs from and stuff like that. People saying, um, this has been really helpful for me as someone who is, um, you know, on the path to maybe becoming an astrologer. Uh, I'm studying and I love hearing these conversations and also the advice that your guests have to give. And the questions are almost always the same, but everyone's answer is different. First, it's um, how did you make this happen? It feels to a lot of people out there like I'd love to do that, but Mm -hmm. how would I ever make it work? Yeah. So I like people to be honest about how you made it work, what benefits, advantages, maybe karmically or whatever circumstantially you had, as well as what leaps did you take? What hardships did you face? Whatever advice you may have to give. Yeah. Great question. Great question. Because that's, that's, I mean, that's a huge thing. And I would say that, you know, um, the ruler of my son is in the 11th. So uh, I got a lot of help from friends and I always say, be the person at the, at the party, at the friend group, who's like, do you want a reading? Cause that's what I did. And it wasn't cause I, 
like had designs to be in a professional astrologer it was because I just like love doing it and then people are like yeah I want a reading you know and and now like people will be like remember when you gave my my pit bull a tarot reading and <laughs> I'm like no dude I don't remember that <laughs> they remember the cards I pulled for the dog anyway um but you know essentially when I got started um it was just reading for friends. And then that was like 2015. And then in 2016, I was like, all right, I'm going to read for, you know, you like for the public, like I'm going to have this website and it's going to be open. And what I essentially did was I said to my friends, if you liked getting readings from me, just like tell people, you know, just like tell people that I do this if you're, if you want to, you know, and that is part of how I kind of um, organically grew. And I think that, you know, I really believe that people are being called into this work because every community needs a healer, right? Because every community needs somebody who fulfills that sacred role and that we're all the exact right person to play that role in the community if we're called. And so let it be, let it be natural and let it be organic like that in terms of just like trusting your networks, but also, you know, I would say trust the process. I, I left a good job and it was really scary for me. And to kind of ensure that I could pay the bills, I went and worked at, um, an after school, um, like a few days a week and it gave me health insurance. And that just felt like I was, you know, making this, leap kind of safely. And, um, there was a cool, someone I knew who worked there, who was a cool artist. And later that artist ended up reaching out to me and saying, Hey, do you want to collaborate on, um, a series of children's books about the pagan holidays and the planets? So you'll, you never know how, what you do is going to lead you towards something down the line that ends up being really, fruitful or juicy or supportive of your business. Like it's only in hindsight that we can see all of the different beautiful steps. Um, but I definitely feel like community is huge. And, um, I, I think that the other thing is, um, try to get connected to the astrological community in your network, um, in your, in your area and, you know, whatever network you feel drawn towards, because that's going to also lead you to different kinds of opportunities. Like I, I feel like I got to know so many people through taking your classes and then the subsequent classes, um, that I've, that I've been a part of. And, um, then you're kind of learning from other people and hearing what they do. Um, so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are great, great pieces of advice. And I, I think to myself, I don't know one astrologer, honestly, I can't think of one of my friends, one of my colleagues, one of my students who's gone on to do stuff who didn't have the same thing in common, which was that they couldn't stop thinking and talking about astrology. <laughs> like, and they, they couldn't stop thinking and talking about astrology with other people. Yeah. And not that you necessarily have to be evangelical about it, like trying to convert people or make them believe in it, but just that where there are, you're talking to people and it's like, I'm at the gym, right? With my, I do training at the gym and my trainer is the first week. And I'm like, 
you must be a Virgo. There's got to be a bunch <laughs> of Virgo energy in you. That's the way I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe now I don't, I'm a little bit more selective about how I vocalize my thoughts than I was 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but like my career started because in that situation, I go, when were you born? You've got it. You must have a bunch of, ver-. you know, I just start saying that stuff. And then yeah. it turns out that like 90% of people are really interested in it. They're like, as soon as you say that, because there's no sweeter sound in the world than the sound of someone saying our name, you know, and it's yeah. very similar when it comes to astrology, when someone takes interest in what might be at the core of our experience as human beings, mm-hmm. you know, these archetypes or and people know right away, you're talking about something that's really deep in me, or that's a part of my experience and you're taking an interest in it. I find that people are, yeah, look at my chart, you know, mm-hmm. and then it develops from there. And you just, it, honestly, it's like, just keep talking to people about your interests in astrology who are open to it in a yeah. natural, like you're in a coffee house, kind of just conversational way. And the openings and the experience just keep piling up, you know? They do. And, and I also think there's this sense of like, I have to be full time or else I'm not legitimate. And there's really amazing astrologers who have other jobs, professions that they have cultivated, you know, for a long time. Um, and um, I'm on the steering committee of AFAN now, which is the um, Association for Astrological Networking, and it's an international group. And it's so it's really fun to connect, but there's people who are doing full-time jobs in addition to astrology practices, in addition to, you know, what they volunteer to the astrological community. And I think that, um, you know, we have to just trust that it will allow the space that it's needed in our lives and kind of let that be enough. And I know personally, I had this thought, like I have to, you know, be full-time and and only do this, but I also, um, have an energy healing practice. I'm really involved in that. That's one of my spiritual communities and I do communications work and, um, tech support for classes, online classes for my energy, one of my energy healing teachers. And that is something I treasure, you know, that is like a really sacred role that I get to play. And I block off big chunks of my calendar and don't see clients so that I can do those things. And that to me gives me a balanced life, you know, and I end up getting people who come to me as an astrologer from that community, you know, not because that's my intention. So I think when we allow our life to kind of unfold and its own complexity and richness, then rather than, I guess, um, feeling like your practice needs to fit a certain mold, you know, ask the world, like, how do you want this to express through me? And it will take its own, like, really, I think, unique kind of shape. That's a beautiful response. I I think about it sometimes like this. It's a very similar line of thought, I think. I think to myself, if I was living in the ancient world and there were oracles spread through more much more accessible than they are today, right? They're just yeah. here's an oracle, there's and there's there's priests and priestesses, you know, who uh, serve this oracle and they mm-hmm. they they read or they divine the oracle and for for others. It, you know. I imagine it being like, um, <clears throat> you know, this person uh, has oracular abilities, so they have a rug shop down the street. They specialize in rugs, but one day a week they're at the temple mm-hmm. reading for people, um, and they are a, 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 the, the oracle. How amazing is it that you're selected 
you know, somehow you're given the gift to spend time with an Oracle at all, yeah. right? First of all, and that you have people and that you're, you're sort of known in the community for having a shift at the temple. You know, you know what I mean? You, oh, you also make rugs or something. But the reason I think of, I try to think about it like that for myself. And also when I'm talking to students about what's realistic in terms of what I can expect. And I say, even if it's part-time, how, how amazing is it to have a side gig where you, you work at the temple, you work at the Oracle. We don't get that feeling of being sanctioned and, and blessed in cultural societally, you know, accepted and recognized way necessarily, but you're in that same lineage. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You're, you're in the same lineage um, for thousands of years all around the world where people uh, who have the, the gift to read omens and signs uh, in some capacity in their life do so. And they think of it as a sacred entrusted service. If we can think of it that way and take the ego out of it, uh, two things. One, you're likely to enjoy whatever role or capacity you have to serve the Oracle. You know, if it's mm-hmm. two hours a week, if it's couple clients a month or if it's full-time or whatever um that that it's a sacred duty that you're and you get to be a, a part of it um historically and culturally that there's a there's something to really take pride in about that a healthy pride and mm-hmm. then on the other hand um if you if you recognize oh well whatever amount the oracle wants me i'm just here to serve the oracle who's the one mm-hmm. that's actually speaking i think the oracle recognizes that and often gives people more hours more shifts at the temple so to speak when you also take that attitude it's not i'm not trying to say that the uh you know the oracle is like um if you know if you're humble then i'll promote you it's like Mm -hmm. like it's a superiority thing but it's true it's like if you're just like hey however the oracle wants me to serve in whatever capacity i will it does seem to me over time like i've watched many students uh, who've gone from my programs that have that attitude, get more clients and more time serving the Oracle. Yeah. I love that's gorgeous. My third house placements are, yeah, I sun and Venus are loving that analogy <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, that spoke to my soul. And, um, and I think that when we, I have found that like taking risks can be rewarded. I, you know, I remember when I, when I left my full-time job, I was like, is this going to work? And I was like booked out for like a month. And I felt like the universe was just showing me like, it's okay. You know, that's not how I am always, but like that, like, especially not the beginning, but like I was, and I think you get to kind of be in this really enchanted magical space. Like I remember hearing um, folks say, oh yeah, I'll be like studying an aspect. And then suddenly everyone that week will have that aspect or, and, um, you know, that happens to me. Like I got really into Mars and cancer last year or whatever, a couple of years ago. And then everybody that I was seeing had Mars and cancer. And so I was, it was all I was thinking about. It was all I was talking about. It was, it was like, I was unpacking it with people. And, um, I feel like being in, the flow of life. Like when you were talking about being small in relation to the world's big, big problems, like, I think that's a lot of how people feel right now, but I also think astrology and especially practicing a sacred art and whether you take a spiritual approach to it or not, it gives us a sense of like having 
a place in the world and also of being in relationship with the world where like I'm I'm talking and thinking about things and then the world is answering and it's like showing me and that we're in this kind of a static dance, you know, and that is so deeply meaningful. And I feel like that's what astrology gives us is the opportunity to have a meaningful life because people can be, they can have it all and not feel like they are satisfied. And so what is, and I think that, you know, getting older and having the Uranus opposition and all that stuff, it, it really starts to ask like, what, what's true and authentic? Like what does a meaningful life mean and feel like to you? And so I would say, um, it'll look different for everyone, but if you, if you feel the call, there's probably people who need to like, have you answer it. Everyone says this, the clients that you're meant to serve or play a a role in their lives, um, they'll show up and they do. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's kind of cheesy, but true. (laughs) So, um, here I want to, um, before we go, uh, I want to show people how they can get in touch with you sure. and a little bit more about you. So yes. Laura Campagna, did I say yes. it right? Yeah. Yes. Sorry. I'm practicing. Yeah. Laura Campagna, astrology.com is your website. Mm-hmm. And um, you can find a lot of interesting things on Laura's website. Tell yeah. us a little bit about, you know, give us some highlights of what people can obviously book readings with you on your website, Yeah, yeah. Um, which I highly recommend, you know, if you, one of the best things to do is if you're resonating with the way that someone is speaking, especially in, in the series that I do, the interviews that I do, that probably is an indication that there'll be a good match for a reading too. So consider that um, and check out Laura's uh, astrology calendar. Thanks. What else is going on? What's new? What are you up to? Um, so I teach classes. I teach introduction to astrology and tarot. Yeah. You can scroll down if you want. I'm currently in an, um, a tarot class series. I do these moon meditations where it's a little bit of energy healing and, um, setting intentions at the new moon, releasing at the full moon. Those are really fun. Um, I also have been working on a series of children's books on the pagan Wiccan holidays called pagan baby. Um, and that has its own other website. And, um, I did last year, uh, a series just answering, um, some, some questions around, um, you know, what is energy healing and how does astrology work? So, so that's most of what I have, um, going on. And, um, I do a monthly, actually it's bi-monthly newsletter. And I also, um, am on, uh, Instagram and I post, uh, on Monday in astrology pretty frequently. Uh, star talk newsletter is the, um, sign up. Is that right? On the, on yes. the website? Yes. Very cool. Be, be sure to check that out. Everyone uh-huh. follow Laura on, um, Instagram as well. You can see the link there, Laura oh, yeah. campagna.astrology. And I also have a Patreon, I should say that. And the Patreon gets exclusive astrological content. That's where I write my longer kind of posts on what's going on. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So be sure to check out all of Laura's work. And um, you're saying your last name is Italian. And my my Mm -hmm. wife's uh, whole side of the family, one side of the family is Italian. So um, I'm going to nail saying your last name, Campania. Campania. Yeah, yeah. 
Sounds good. But at any rate, um, thank you so much for being here, Laura, just for contributing your wisdom, your storytelling, your um, just the, the force of your beliefs and your character. It's just a, a joy to have had a little time with you in my programs and to see what you're doing and to have played some small role in, in your journey with astrology and um, also to get your wisdom for everyone who's listening to this, who is thinking of becoming an astrologer. So yeah, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for all of your work. It it means so much to me. It's taught me so much. And I know that you are bringing um, astrology that is grounded in um, a really deep and meaningful spiritual ethos to people. and, And that's what we need. So thank you. Awesome. Well, Thank you everybody for joining us today. Um, We will be doing another episode next month, try to do these once monthly. Uh, So, um, and maybe at some point we'll try to have you back, Laura, for maybe, maybe we'll just do some, we'll just throw some cards up and, um, you know, do some work together on some transits. Uh, That sounds great. Okay. Awesome. Well, take it easy, everyone. Have a great day. Bye.